Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinetry, paint, flooring, lighting. We cover it all. Well, today it's season five, episode 21. If you are a listener or a subscriber, you'll hopefully realize that I changed from telling you the date to giving you the season and the episode, which I guess is easier for people to find me. Anyway, today we're going to welcome back Sarah Jones. Sarah is the design representative with Dunn Edwards, and we're going to talk about, well, I'm not going to tell you yet. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Nancy, thanks so much for having me back on. You are my go-to for paint, and you were so helpful in my last um, project. I can't wait to see it finished. But today we're going to talk about painting cabinetry and furniture. We are seeing so many cabinets in colors, and a lot of people do it themselves, and I'm sure a lot of people have it custom-made. But we're seeing, well, I'm not going to give away the famous colors. You can talk about that. So. <laughs> So are you, are a lot of people asking, what do I do? How do I paint my cabinets? How do I paint my furniture? Yes, they are. And they still are. I should preface by saying that even 10 years ago, um, I used to teach classes through Dan Edwards on how to refinish furniture and cabinets because it's a, a longstanding trend that people are wanting to, you know, a lot of times they'll move into these homes. They like everything structurally, but the cabinet color is not quite what they want, or they're doing a new build and they can't afford to upgrade the cabinets to a painted cabinet. So they decide to go in after and do it themselves. Um, people redo antiques, furniture that were, you know, handed down to them. So yes, it is still a very popular trend. I don't see it going away either. What are the most popular colors that people are picking for their cabinetry? So right now, cabinets are still, we're seeing that classic white. Now that doesn't necessarily mean bright white. There's, you know, as we all know, as designers, there's hundreds of whites, um, but some form of white is still my, my most popular. I am getting black here and there. Um, definitely still doing the accent pieces on the island, like a dark mossy green or an emerald. Um, we're still seeing a bit of the navy as well as still some of those cooler grays. Something that is on the newer end of, I would say, the trend um, is that creamy khaki linen-based um, color that's fairly light because they're going for that cottage core color scheme for their kitchens. Mm-hmm. With that color, I would suggest if anybody decides to go with a mottled white or a softer white, pick your countertops and your tile first, because you can't, as we both agree, you can't use a bright white countertop, whether it's a granite or uh, engineered stone, and white tile with those color cabinets, because one is not going to complement the other. They're going to look dirty. Um, So... Correct. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely want to pick the thing that's the most expensive thing to choose, and that would be your backsplash countertop first. Right. For the do-it-yourselfers, you do a color board, get as many samples as you can before you decide. You don't want to do it and then say, you know, I should have picked another color. So um, plan ahead. I was going to ask you about black. Is black Mm -hmm. that common, and is it harder to paint your cabinetry or furniture black other than like, you know, pure black, matte black, whatever they pick. Is that hard to do? 
No, not necessarily. Um, it does take a little bit longer to dry depending on the product that you use only because it's a dark saturated color, but it's no, you know, harder or, or longer of a dry time than an emerald or a navy. And yes, we are seeing black um, a lot of the times in more custom builds right now, not necessarily the new build market, but custom builds or the renovations where people are doing the black. Yeah, and I stumbled over matte or gloss or satin finish before. Which one is preferred for cabinetry? So even for somebody like me who doesn't love shiny paint, I still recommend a semi-gloss, um, minimum a low sheen to satin on cabinetry because of the durability and the non-blocking resistance that you get with the sheen level. And all that means is that it gives you enough barrier sheen there so that it doesn't stick together with the mm -hmm. base of the cabinet and the cabinet door. Um, semi-gloss and the satin finish also have the best protection against grease and stains and anything that you run into, um, watermarks, all of that fun stuff in a kitchen. Yeah. I would imagine people should stay away from the flat look. It would oh, yes. show fingerprints, grease, and anything else that you can imagine dribbling on your cabinetry. So that that's for furniture and, and anything. Uh, countertops. If you do black countertops, you're going to see every grease mark, rest yes. assured. Okay, so walk us through how you start painting your cabinets. So it's a bit of a process, but it is still DIY friendly. So I, I like for people to know that even though in our minds, I think we think, oh my gosh, I'm refinishing a piece of furniture or I'm refinishing all of my cabinets. That is such a... Um, monumental task. It's not, it's very easy to do as long as you, number one, the biggest key is you got to have patience. So if you're not a patient person, this isn't going to be a project for you. Um, but you definitely have to know your products, know your tools, recognize that the better, the tool, the more quality tool you're using, the better finish you're going to get. And the same thing goes for paint product. Now it's like anything else, the better the prep that you do, the better the result. So you definitely want to make sure you do not want to skimp out on prep work when you are refinishing furniture of any kind. Um, and the first step with that is always going to be to clean. So no matter if you're painting laminate or um, the true wood, you know, cabinets and furniture, whatever it is, you have to clean that surface. And I usually recommend a deglosser of some sort. The most common one that you can pick up any Dunn Edwards store, really lots of hardware stores is TSP. This is a solution that will degloss the surface as well as clean it at the same time. It's You dilute it with water, you put it on your cabinets, you rinse it off, um, and it's cleaned the surface enough to get started. I would imagine you have to wear gloves for that, right? Usually I recommend, yeah. It's definitely not like a respirator situation by any means. That comes when it gets to sanding, but um, it's not like a harsh chemical, but you do want to, I would recommend wearing gloves. Okay, yes. one more question. If you're doing cabinetry, you have to take the doors off the cabinets, don't you? I usually recommend people, yes, don't skip that step because then it gets a little bit sticky when it comes to your hardware. The biggest trick with that now, Nancy, is to number your cabinets. That's I can't right. tell you how many times and I'll I get calls from people and they're going, oh my God, I don't remember which cabinet door goes where. Use a piece of blue painter's tape, number all your cabinets, put it on the same inside of the box of the cabinet. That way, you know. Right. As well as the drawers. Yes. You may think that any drawer would fit any, um, I want to say, opening for your drawers, but they don't. You'd be surprised. No. Right. 
Yeah, okay. totally. Another, I mean, I was going to add this hint. If you have young toddlers or young children, don't think you're going to be able to do this job nonstop. They're going to be in the way. So maybe that's when you have to get somebody else to do it for you, even though it sounds like, oh, yeah, I can. I used to conquer anything when my kids were small. What do you do, though? You yeah. know, with these kids, you, you can't give them a paintbrush, that's for sure. No, I can speak from experience. You do not want to do that. Um, I would say timeline-wise, in a realistic, just standard-sized kitchen in, like, let's say, a 3,000-square-foot house, you're going to need about, from start to finish, including cure time, you're going to need about a week of couple of hours here and there um, straight to work on it. So it, it's a task that takes time, hence oh, the yeah. patience piece. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if you have dogs, try to keep them out of the area. Dog yes. hair on the on the uh, furniture or the cabinetry. Okay, so what's next? Where do we go so from next, here? So next, it's going to be sanding. So sanding, oh. and I will tell you, I have done both. I have used old school sanding blocks just by hand, and then I've gone down and gotten a mouse sander from a big box store, and that works way better, much more efficient. Um, use a low grit sandpaper to start. That is going to have the rougher finish. You're going to use that to take anything you know that's super uneven on the surface off, um, any globs of old paint or stain or poly, it'll get that off. Then you want to follow up with a higher grit sandpaper around a 220, and that will smooth that surface out to give you more of that glass-like finish. Um, then the, the biggest piece that people do not realize is you cannot just wipe down your cabinets after with a paper towel or just a washcloth. I always, always, always recommend using a tack cloth. Have you ever worked with those before? No, but I was going to say about the sanding, uh, flat pieces are fine, but if you have a piece of furniture that has cutouts or woodworking or OG edges, be prepared to do that by hand. Yes, absolutely. And here's the thing. If you're painting, you don't have, this is a common misconception. You don't have to get every little bit of everything off. It's really to give your surface a bite. You need a little bit of that grit. I really, I just redid cabinets in my laundry room and I got them from somebody that at the painted them before multiple layers of paint. And the reason that I took a sander to it is just on the edges that looked a little bit too um, high of mill thickness and there was drips and there was some uneven areas. Right. I definitely didn't get all of that paint off. Um, so it's really just to give it a nice, even bite to the surface. Um, and then the tack cloth is literally, I have people who swear by using them for even dusting their houses. It's cheesecloth that has this, I don't even know what it is. It just makes it very sticky. So it's like a tacky, hence tack cloth. Is that tack, <laughs> T-A-C-K or T-A-C yeah. cloth? Yep. Tack cloth. And you can get them at any big box store. They're super inexpensive. It almost feels waxy and a little bit sticky and it picks up every speck of dust, every speck of dirt, every little particle of sand. Um, and you can get into those little fine grooves so that you don't have any particle buildup. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I went the cheater's way. I had a dresser that I got and it had been painted. So I had it dipped. Um, so mm -hmm. they stripped it. And then when they brought it back to my house, it was the raw wood. Then I started from there. Of course, then I painted it. I didn't stain it. It was beautiful, but I painted it. Then I had it dipped again, and I went with the natural wood. But 
I'm not into uh, sanding or anything. You can tell. It's like, yeah, oh, how much time do I have? Let me just get this paint off. I'll just have somebody do it. Right, right. And now if you are going to stain, you know, restain, that's totally different. You do want to get it either professionally done or there's a lot of DIY products now that will strip anything off of bare wood. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's next? Are we so ready to paint? Is, I get fancy. Yes, well, let's let's turn it up. I want to see the finished product. <laughs> Kind of. We got one step in between and you have to prime. So the reason you prime is to give a very fresh surface. So you started with making it as fresh as possible by sanding it down, getting an even surface. Now you're going to follow up with a coat of primer. Common misconception with primer, you do not need to entirely coat the door so that your door is white. It just needs to be what I refer to as like a feather finish. You want it to be a thin coat. You don't want to glob it on. It's got to be one layer just to give that surface a bite to it. Um, priming allows whatever you're painting to have a new substrate. So it becomes new. Essentially, the paint thinks that that surface is new. So priming is a step that you do not want to skip. I know that there is products on the market like chalk paint and, and things like that, that you, do, you don't have to use a primer with. With our products, and I really recommend for across the board, priming will allow better adhesion, better durability, so that you don't get scratches, chips, or peels down the line, especially on something that you use every day, like a kitchen. Mm -hmm. Does primer come in white only, or do they come in colors? You can have it tinted. I would say it's less common um, unless you're covering something. So I used to have people come into store that they wanted to paint over those lovely bright red accent walls that we all had in 2005. And I would tint their primer gray because it blocks that red. So you don't have to do as many top coats. Oh. So, mm -hmm, that's a so that's when yeah. people buy a house, they find that somebody painted one of the walls in the bedroom, hopefully only one, red or black. So they just go over it with a primer and then they can, can they go, oh my God, what if they go to white again? How many coats of primer do you need? Just one? You know, believe it or not, if you use a tinted primer to cover a saturated color like that, so if you do like a gray, you'd be surprised if you get a solid primer, like one of our premium grades, you're going to just need to do one coat of primer and the two coats paint. You'll be fine. Oh, good. Good. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to paint yet? Yeah, actually you oh, are because here's good. the fun part about primer is it's water-based. So back, you know, 25 years ago, everything to paint furniture and cabinets was oil or lacquer. It is not that way anymore. So all of the products that I used to recommend for my DIY, you know, homeowners that would redo cabinets and furniture are all water-based. So that primer that you just put on dry times, probably two to four hours at most, and then you're ready for your top coat. Now, I always recommend substrate specific primers. What I mean by that is if you are working with wood, real wood cabinets, get a wood specific primer. We carry one in store. It allows you to have the best adhesion, but also the intersandability. So let's say you get done with your primer coat and there's a glob of paint and you're like, oh my God, I have to start over. That's not the case. Most of our primers for these kinds of projects, you can sand in between your primer and your top coat. But you don't have to. You don't have to. No, not okay. by any means. If it's an even finish and you're happy with the way it looks, you go right ahead and just do your top coat. Oh, okay. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right. So then do you have to put a sealer on that once you paint? Okay. All of our cabinets are painted. 
Are we done or do we need a sealer or something? You, you are done. So believe it or not, and I should preface by saying as long as you're using a Don Edwards product that we recommend either it's our, believe it or not, our top of the line exterior product called Evershield or our top of the line product called Aristashield give the best durability and you do not have to top coat them. They are so incredibly durable that you're done after that second top coat, you're done. So it won't scratch off or anything? Nope. It's got, it dries to such a hardness um, that it actually mimics like an oil-based wood. Hmm, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're ready to put the cabinet doors back on the cabinets, right? No, ma'am. You've got to let that cure at least 48 hours. 48 hours. Wow. Yes. The reason being is you want that final top coat and all of those lovely coats underneath. While yes, they're dry to touch. That's where people go wrong. They're like, oh, it feels dry. It is dry, but it's not cured. You have to wait until the product is cured so that that non-blocking agent in there is solid so that you do not get sticks, do not get peeling. You want to leave it out. I always tell people, if you don't have a timeline, if you've got like three, four days, leave them off three, four days. But the maximum you should need to leave them off is a week. You don't need any more than that, but at least 48 hours. Okay. So I guess people ask you, we're doing our kitchen cabinets. Should we paint the inside of the door? Oh, yeah. I get that question always. And what is the answer? That one is kind of a personal preference. For me, I always do. The reason being, it's the designer in me, right? I can't have people coming over my house and I've got a white cabinet door and then the inside's oak. I just would totally I don't want it to look like it was done DIY. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like, okay, I have company. Can you please go in the other room while I open my cabinets? Because I don't want you to see that I only did half the door, right? Yes. Yes. Now, so I always recommend doing the backs. Now, if you have frame cabinets, which means that if you had a wood cabinet door, you probably have a frame around the opening of the cabinet and you can get your finger behind the hinge. That's a frame cabinet and they have to paint that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want a professionally looking job, I think they should do the whole job right. Now, I don't think they have to paint the inside of the cabinets. No, I would agree. The inside boxes, you do not have to do that. Unless they're in really bad condition. In that case, you might want to get new cabinets. Exactly. Fully agree. You know, there's a point where you say, do I refurbish or do I replace? You know, that Mm -hmm. goes with everything. So think about that. You, you just, uh, Sarah just said, it's not a one-day process. So if you have cabinets that are falling apart, think about replacing. But if they're in good condition, I've had people have custom cabinets that were oak. They were in style years and years ago. They're still in good condition, but they wanted a new color. That's when painting it fits right in with their um, their end result. I mean, you know, they want a new kitchen look and they're happy with the layout of the kitchen, go for the paint. Absolutely. And you're going to save a quite a bit of money. So if your cabinets, especially those 90, 80s, 90s solid oak cabinets, they don't make them like that anymore. So hold on to those if they're in good condition and just refinish. Yeah. Here's a Nancy hint. So many people say, okay, well, we can change the hardware. If you have one hole drilled for a knob, you have to replace it with a knob or you have to block the hole with, I guess, wood putty or something, sand it, and then you can drill new holes. 
But if you don't do that before, that's part of your prep, you're stuck with those holes. Now, years ago, all the handles were three inch on center, which very tiny. Now we go with the bigger handles. So you still have to change the holes. Plan ahead. Didn't we say that before? Plan ahead. (laughs) Just as important as prep work. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the last thing you need is to go, oh, I should have blocked that. Now, if they use Dunn Edwards and they really want to block the holes because they found new hardware, they can still go back and do it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good to know. It's very easy to do, but yeah, we carry, as you know, there is catalogs and thousands of hardware now for cabinets, for furniture, um, such huge variety. And they are not all those three inches anymore. They are just so vastly different. So that is a very good tip. Good. Well, we're going to talk about monogram right now because that's a good tip too. They have intelligent appliances that are built to enhance your kitchen. And actually, if you're going to paint your kitchen cabinets, Monogram does have several finishes. So you want to bring it up to the 2022s, I guess. So pick the color that uh, goes with your appliances. Experience peace of mind, convenience, and an optimized performance with their smart app, which elevates the way you interact with your home and appliances by allowing you to do things like preheating your oven from your phone and checking your dishwasher. Now, I do have to say that if you don't have smart appliances, the app isn't going to do you any good. You've got to get the smart appliances, then you get the smart app. And if you have any problems understanding this, you can go to monogram.com to learn more about their smart appliances, or you can visit your local showroom to see how these appliances work. So, are we done? Are our cabinets done Yes, they are done. I do want to add a tip. So it's the same thing as the primer. Do not overcoat your product. Do not need, you don't need to glob it on. And the other biggest recommendation where I see people go wrong is don't overwork the product. Put that coat of paint on there, brush it out as smooth as you can. If you see the brush marks or little roller marks, those will fade out. We've got a natural level and flow in those two products that I mentioned. Once you start to overwork the product, it can get a little finicky where you actually see more brush marks than if you just left it. So don't overwork the product, put it on there in a good smooth finish and walk away. Now, mind you, if you're experienced with a sprayer, like a cup gun, you can absolutely go that route as well. Be prepared to mask everything if you have a sprayer. (laughs) Right. Yes. Do it. Yes. Please. In your garage and mask everything off. Yes, please. And don't forget to wear a mask because when you spray, it gets all over inside your nose, your ears and everything. But I wanted to go back to what kind of tools would be the best for doing furniture and cabinetry as far as paintbrush versus roller versus sponge. Mm -hmm. So again, another common misconception, you don't want to use foam rollers. Foam rollers, when they pick up product and lay it back down, leave what's called fish eyes. And essentially all that is, is the air that is allowed into a foam or a sponge roller. Once it's laid out, those little tiny, tiny bubbles start popping. And as it dries, you've got these little fish eyes across the top. I always recommend a low nap 
So very smooth, low nap microfiber roller. We sell them at Dunn Edwards. You can get them at most big box stores. Um, I usually use like the hot dog size. That seems to be the most efficient um, for any flat surface on the cabinet. When it comes to brushing, so I usually brush the details first and then roll over the rest. Okay. Brushing, you want to use a very soft bristle brush. Um, Purdy carries one that's great and it's got more of like a pink bristle tinge. That's how I remember it. It's because it's blush color. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty looking brush and it's a very soft bristle. That is the key. No matter what brush you use, soft bristle. They're on the more expensive side. And by that, I mean 15 bucks, but for a paintbrush, that's more expensive, but it lays the product out way better. You get many less brush marks than you would if you used something more stiff. Good to know. So a microfiber roller, Mm -hmm. hot dog size, and a very, very, very soft brush. Yes. And if you can't remember that, go to Dunn Edwards Yes. There again, let's just mention that Dunn Edwards is not available east of the Mississippi. Am I correct? Correct. We've got some dealers um, across the nation, but we are a Southwest-based company. So, but you could buy it, have it shipped to your house if you live in New York or Florida, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you can go on the website, which is dunnedwards.com, yeah. and that's D-U-N-N, two N's, edwards.com. Okay, let's talk about painting ceilings. You know, they call it the fifth wall, right? Yes. Why? Because it matters. I know people don't think about it, but it absolutely matters. And you do have to treat it as a fifth wall. And I think it's often forgotten, bless its heart. (laughs) Oh, well, because people typically would say, okay, it's a white ceiling. That's it. You know, you don't have a choice. It is still very common, and I think the white or the tone of white, as we kind of said earlier, the hundreds of whites that are out there, still kind of reigns supreme in the world of ceiling paint or color, Um, especially lately with everything, you know, everybody wanting such light colors. But it doesn't have to be. There is no hard and fast rule that says your ceiling has to be a white. So if you paint the ceiling a dark color and you have an eight-foot ceiling, you're going to feel like you're closing in in the room, right? Yes, you are. So it is that optical illusion, right? So for instance, my house has 10-foot ceilings. I'm not used to such you know, tall, open ceilings. So for me, some of my rooms felt even too tall. It didn't feel as cozy as I like. So that is a perfect scenario to say, hey, I've got this bedroom. It feels so open and bright and a little bit too much for me. I'm going to take the opportunity to make my ceiling a little bit more dramatic and bring the eye down. Because that's what you're doing essentially when you're doing something dramatic, like a dark ceiling, you're bringing your eye level down. So it's yeah. shrinking the room. <laughs> right. And we see a lot of powder rooms. Powder rooms are tiny. And some people have used a lot of dark colors and they'll include the ceiling, mm-hmm. which some people I've heard say, oh, I don't like that. I just feel too closed in. Well, either that or if you have a white ceiling, you're going to feel like you're walking into a tube with a yes. very high ceiling, like a dungeon. Absolutely. I guess. Absolutely. So, but there again, how many times have we said paint is your least expensive way of re? modeling or doing something different, experimenting, because if you don't like it, you just go buy another gallon of paint and do it over. Exactly. Easy change. 
Okay, so what would you suggest if the wall ceilings are high and walls are pale gray? Would you go with white or would you go with pale gray? So that is going to be dependent on the structure of the house too, right? So I've had a lot of homes that have, you know, nine, 10 foot ceilings. They've got crown molding. So crown molding allows a perfect opportunity to paint your ceiling the same color as your walls, paint it just, you know, 25% lighter of that same color because you've got the definition of your crown molding to break your eye. In your circumstance, if you've just got a pale gray room and you don't necessarily need to heighten the space, then painting a ceiling in off-white or a brighter white would, would work great. It depends on how much light that room gets. If that room is feeling kind of small, it's got lower ceilings. I mean, there, there's so many different circumstances that, you know, to take into consideration, but either an off-white or a brighter white or the same color as the wall. Mm -hmm. um, or like I said, cut it by a percentage and, and take that color that's on the walls and cut it in half and put that on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Now, the ceilings and the walls are not the only things people have to think about. Um, case in point, I'm working on a job where I, Sarah, you know, the walls are a very pale gray. I chose the bright white ceiling because I also chose the bright white on the door trim the doors themselves and the baseboard. I can't see, especially in this case, if I painted the ceiling gray to match the walls, it just kind of blends in. It's a 10-foot ceiling. And it kind of blends in, no personality. We don't have crown mold because we're going more of a transitional. Mm -hmm. But we ended up, of course, we have the doors and the baseboard. No trim around the windows. But if you pick the white ceiling, that will actually enhance your baseboard and your doors. Absolutely. And it's the same thing. I mean, you see it so consistently. Anytime you have moldings or doors that are painted or you're going to be painting them, it's the same thing going back to when you're painting your kitchen, right? You, if you're choosing a white of any sort for your doors and baseboards and trim, Please take that into consideration when you're choosing your ceiling color. I have had it go wrong before where clients have chosen a creamier white on their ceiling or they don't repaint the ceiling, but they choose a brighter white for your doors and baseboards. And now their ceiling looks smoke stained because it's more of that dingy white in comparison. So absolutely take those things into consideration before choosing a ceiling color as well. Right. And if you're going to use a bright white, Make sure that you've got some sort of contrast on the wall between your trim and doors and your walls. In the case of the job I'm doing now, um, I did have to repaint. the. We weren't going to paint the doors over. Everybody said, no, they're white, they're white. Hold a white paint chip to your door and you'll see how off it is. And I kept saying, it's not going to work. We've got to just paint these things. Looks 100% better. So... Did I say plan ahead? Yes. <laughs> plan ahead because you don't want to put all this time and money into it when you could have just taken the time to get the paint chips or call Sarah or call your local paint person and say, okay, I need help. What should I do? I cannot tell you how many times in my 11 years in Don Edwards I have heard, oh, but it's just white. And it's never <laughs> just white. I would say 5% of the time it is just white. There are hundreds of whites out there, not just from Dunn Edwards. We all have different ones. We have over 110 just from our company, let alone 
every other product and paint company that's out oh, there. Oh, I know so that for a fact. Yeah. I kept looking yeah. for the white that's going to go with these pale gray walls. And the perfect one was called white. Yep. Right. Isn't that funny how that worked? <laughs> yes. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about painting the ceiling. If you've got a 10 or 12 foot ceiling, is it worth getting um, a very tall ladder or getting a roller with a very long handle? What's the best? So I will not lie to you. I do not. I refuse to paint ceilings. That's the one thing I will not. I will pay someone to do <laughs> because you're correct. So think about it. You're if you got 10, 12 foot ceilings, you either have to rent scaffolding so that you can get up there and cut in, which is much safer than doing a ladder. When you've got that tall of ceilings, I think scaffolding, and when you're trying to cut in on ceilings and making those precise lines, scaffolding works much better. Either that. Yeah. The or, average person isn't going to get scaffolding. No. They're going to they're gonna get on that ladder and they're going to lean over and yeah. safety first, because Please. that is a good way to kill yourself. Please, yes, please always. I just always, pictured always. that in my stomach drop. No, don't do that. <laughs> I know, I agree. And hence, Nancy, why I never pay my ceilings because I know that's just not a job for me. I think that you could roll a majority of your ceiling standing on your floor. We absolutely carry paint poles that are long enough to, to do that. Um, it's not going to be very precise in regards to getting into your corners and cutting in though. So that's what to consider. Um, most people do, at least in my experience, most people do hire out for painting ceilings. They let the professionals take care of that. Part. Sure. So when you paint a ceiling, you cut in, that means you paint the ceiling first, you do all of where the ceiling meets the wall do that and then do your walls yes now work from top down that's what i always say now do you use the blue tape so that you don't get the paint color of the wall on the ceiling or see i would get a professional i'm not mm -hmm. going to do that mm -hmm. um, i've seen Thanks. the professionals they just take that paintbrush and whip it right through on the crease between the wall and the ceiling and it comes out perfect you know i know my expertise it's not that I agree 100%. And yes, every painter I've ever hired um, that has done ceilings for me, they I've never seen them use tape. They just know it is ingrained in what they do. They just know how to cut that line beautifully. So some of them um, they'll use, if they're not as experienced or if you are doing it yourself, blue tape or um, a sensitive surface tape is going to be your best bet because it will not be so tacky that it peels off your freshly painted surface that you just did. Mind you, if you are going to do it yourself, you just painted your ceiling, give it a few days to cure just like anything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about finishes on the ceiling. Do we go flat, shiny, glossy? Depending on your space, I will say, again, I'm not a shiny paint person. Most ceilings in my house, I do flat and I recommend flat because flat paint hides imperfections. That's why it's so commonly used on ceilings, especially in Arizona. It's so commonly used on stucco outside because when they're going through here and texturing, which by the way, I'm from the East Coast, never in my life had I seen knockdown texture until I moved out here. Really? And I'm like, why are our walls not smooth? It was wild to me to get used to. Um, but if you look closely, they go through in these tech, they texture so quickly that 
it's not consistent in a lot of areas. So you want to use a flat in your main spaces, hallways, um, great rooms to ensure that you're hiding any imperfections. And then unfortunately, in any room that is going to be exposed to heavy moisture, that means a shower, bathtub, that for pure protection against mold, you do need something with a higher sheen, like a semi-gloss, at minimum a satin, um, to avoid those mold spores kind of sinking into your your paint and your walls. Good point. You were talking about uh, people who are texturing are not careful. Mm -hmm. Well, years ago when I used to work out in the field, I went into this house, and now when they texture, they actually shoot the plaster or the mud out of this hose onto the wall, and then they knock it down with a trowel. And the person who did this just, he shot everything. There was a Coke bottle on the island, the island, everything. He was, there are people who are not careful. This is not their house, and a lot of times they just go, I'm going to get it done. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. They don't and care the what houses is are, away. Yes. The houses are going up so fast right now, Nancy. Everywhere I look, I mean, my own neighborhood is still building and they are throwing these houses up. I'm like, there's no way they're taking their sweet time on making sure that this texture is perfect. So flat paint helps hide those things. Yes. I had said when I saw what this person did, I said, I'm glad I wasn't standing in the kitchen. He would have shot all the mud on me too. <laughs> they don't pay attention. No. Okay. <laughs> Well, so now we've explained to people how they can paint their cabinetry, they can paint their furniture, they can paint their ceiling so that uh, everybody will notice how wonderful their house and interiors look. Do we have anything else? Have we covered it all? You know, I think we have. Yeah, that's good. Maybe, maybe more next time, but as of right now, I think we've hit so many good points. I agree. I think we've covered it. I would expect that people get a lot of hints from this podcast and send us some pictures. If you've done some really creative things, I would love to see it. Yes, hey, I would you. too. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I do want to talk about Studio 41. They have a great showroom in Scottsdale and 13 showrooms in Illinois. They provide everything you need for your project, especially the greatest selection of cabinet hardware. That's where I buy all my hardware because we do have one in Scottsdale. That's the one I use. They probably have over a 1,000 uh, different selections. So you uh, go there with your door. Always shop for hardware. Bring a door with you. So uh, if you want to learn more about Studio 41, you can go to shop. Studio 41, the number 41.com. And you can also shop online with them and they can send you the products. Uh, they are also Kohler uh, showrooms, so they have all of the Kohler fixtures. In addition to a lot of other fixtures, they also sell cabinetry and they also sell windows in their Illinois showrooms. Not in Scottsdale, but in Illinois. So I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. I think it was exciting. We taught you a lot. So please subscribe on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends. I say this every week. 
Don't keep this a secret. We have tons of information, useful information. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to my website, nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for Sarah about painting or for me, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com, and I will send the questions on to Sarah. Hey, Sarah, thanks a lot for taking the time with me today and explaining to people how they can change the look of their house with some paint. Thank you so much for having me, Nancy. It was a pleasure. Oh, same here. Stay safe. Have a great day. And until next time, Sarah, bye. All right. Bye-bye.